opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Hello out there, my dear friends and resolute listeners of the Healthy Steps Radio Show, and thank you for keeping your radio dial tuned to WMNF Tampa. A Monday morning without you is a lonesome walk indeed. So let's draw back the curtain and start the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey. You're encouraged to participate today by calling 813-239-9663 or sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Well, Dr. Harvey, where are we going with the show today? Well, Happy New Year to everyone out there in listener land. And uh, thank you, Bill, for that announcement. I know you're not in the studio today. It's great that you love your job and will add to the value of this show every time. Uh, thank you, DJ Spaceship, for being in the studio and building this stuff. And I bet Irene's on the phones. Ah, what a year that was. And what a great year this one is lining up to be. Wow, so many things are happening. And how did you like that show that we started the year off with? Energy energy medicine. If anybody uh, listened, I appreciate that. If you listen on the archive, great. If you have questions, you want to chat about energy medicine today, I would love to do so. My spiritual teacher calls this the year of great transformation and reclamation of personal power. I think that's time for all of us to do so. And I think a really good way to actually start looking at that is to think about how we can improve our health span. I've talked about this before, I believe. Lifespan. It's the amount of time you spend on the planet in this little vehicle you call your body. But your health span is the amount of time you inhabit the body and are able to function in it. You know, in America, there is a we're an outlier nation when it comes to the disability gap. That's the difference between your um, health span and your lifespan. In America, we have one of the longest disability gaps in the world. Um, Americans are living into their 70s, 80s. Actually, this is the first time that Americans' um, uh, longevity, their, their average lifespan has decreased because of uh, uh, so many factors. Uh, primarily, I believe it's toxicity inflammation, but we've talked about that before. In any event, um, the, the, the key is um, we want to drop that gap, which in America, the last study that I read said that it's 11 years between the end of the health span and the end of the lifespan. So we have a lot of elderly people being warehoused because they can't get their butt out of a chair. That's kind of what this amounts to, functional living. And so if you want to stay functional, there's some really easy things to do. There's this uh, place, uh, or actually a, a website, it's called the Blue Zones, but there's these places all around the, the, uh, the world that are uh, living in, in very healthful ways. And, and they do things, uh, and there's a set of blue zone rules the, uh, of living, and, and, and they kind of 
uh, uh, follow this pattern that I'm going to talk about. There's a great article um, in the New York Times uh, from January 4th talking about the seven keys to longevity. And it's basically the seven keys to vibrant health, the seven keys to um, um, basically maintaining your health span. One principle, move more. Human bodies are designed to move. We are uh, um, evolved from uh, uh, little critters that scrambled across the ground on all fours or climbed around in trees. But we have two legs that are designed for long distance movement, walking, walking, walking. So if you start your day every day with 20 minutes of walking, you actually will add years to your life, years of functional health years. And it's really not that hard. I mean, think about it. 20 minutes a day, 150 minutes so a week of, of walking, you know, 25 minutes a day. Second thing is, uh, all of the Blue Zone people have a plant-forward diet, a plant-based diet. Um, I live in Sarasota. I'm Sarasota-based, but I travel all over the planet. And so um, I actually base my diet also in uh, plant materials. I love plant materials. Fruits and vegetables are wonderful. Grains are too. And the Mediterranean diet is, is what's basically eaten in the Blue Zones, even though there are Blue Zones in Asia. The Mediterranean diet is a type of diet that prioritizes fresh produce, whole grains, beans, nuts, fish, olive oil, um, other healthy oils. And actually, they do eat, like, like mentioned, the fish. There's some dairy, a little bit of cheese, a little bit of um, um, uh, uh, animal meat. Uh, most of the Blue Zones eat a tiny bit of pork. Some don't, but most eat some animal all the time. And it's a really good model of eating. 80% plant, 20% animal, 90% plant, 10% animal. And then 80% full. You push your plate away when you're 80% full. You don't eat until the plate's clean. You eat until you're full. Sleep. Sleep is so critical. The risk of death increases the less you sleep each night. And so um, it seems, though, that as people age, they sleep less. There's a lot of different things that come into that. People are much more sensitive to different things like alcohol. So avoiding alcohol might actually help with quality and quantity of sleep. And that brings us to adding added chemicals, smoking and drinking. Obviously, cigarettes, there's no ap actual... <laughs> Uh, a Dr. Rowe, I don't know who this is, a Dr. Rowe quotes, uh, there's no dose of cigarette smoke that is good for you. True. Every dose of cigarette smoke is poison. There's no reason to use it, but some people are going to continue to do so. Um, alcohol. Um, you know, there, there was a kind of a rule that you know, a couple, two drinks a day wasn't that big a deal, but actually it's showing up that even one drink a day can increase your risk of uh, colon cancer, um, uh, breast cancer, liver disease, atrial fibrillation. And so it's really worth it to modest, uh, modify and keep your um, alcohol use modest, like, you know, less than one drink per day is actually appearing to be very helpful. Um, manage chronic conditions. Now, this is, this is where I deviate from this idea, managing your hypertension, managing your high cholesterol, managing your prediabetes. I don't want to manage this stuff. Primary care manages chronic illness. I want to get rid of it. And I give you information and direct you to tools that will help you change your mindset, change your behavior, and you will actually see high blood pressure and high cholesterol go away. You know, high blood pressure shows up in menopausal women because they have so much lead stored in their bones from the toxicity of our planet. When they start losing the bone density, as the hormones go away, lead comes out and causes high blood pressure. Maybe we should look into this a little bit more in depth.
and and really not necessarily take your medications, but take things that will get rid of your need for medications. Relationships are critical for longevity. You need to have relationships. I've talked about this recently. Dr. Ruth, I love Dr. Ruth. She's going to be the loneliness ambassador for the city of New York because loneliness and isolation is a huge detriment to health. It adds to the risk of dementia, heart disease, stroke, and is as much of a detriment as smoking, it appears, in study. So we are here for one reason on this planet, one reason only, and that is to have relationships with the planet, with every living thing on the planet, with all of the beautiful humans that we live with. And what drives all of those relationships is love, love of life, love of relationship. How many people have you talked with in the last six months? How many friends or family have you seen in the last week? And finally, I mentioned it, cultivate a positive mindset. Many studies have shown that optimism alone lowers the risk of heart disease. And the way you change your mindset is by working on your mind, a meditation practice, mindful thinking, mindful behavior, and mindful reading and mindful listening. Listen to things that help to uplift your brain, to help uplift your mindset. We can do this. We can change ourselves. And as we change ourselves, we will change the planet. You want peace on this planet? Be peace. Find peace inside yourself. That is the mindset to cultivate this year because this is a contentious time on our planet and peace is what we all need. And we also need some interaction because this is an interactive call-in radio show called The Healthy Step Show. We are on WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. And you can get a hold of us if you email uh, dj at wmnf.org or you can call in to the studio, 813-239-9663. You can text the DJ at 813 813- Four three three zero eight eight five. Hey DJ, what you got on the phones? Anybody in the wings yet? Not yet, it appears. So hey, um, I do have a uh, email that has come in. Um, Ellen um, is asking about. Um, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, apparently, she has decided to try a um, treatment for rheumatoid arthritis from something called the Road Back Foundation, a uh, functional medicine group. Um, apparently, it's not working. Um, she has tried the Walls Protocol Diet, a paleo-style diet, um, but it was um, too much to eat in a day, apparently. But um, so she's using the Amy Myers protocol, which is the same as the Walls protocol, um, but maybe doesn't require you to have nine cups of vegetables. Um, and so she's trying all kinds of things, peptides and um, low dose naltrexone, which is an anti-inflammatory. It's quite a list of, of things. And um, so she is doing all kinds of amazing things that can really help with um, rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis, that is an autoimmune disease in which the 
body attacks the joints and the joints are invaded with a joint capsule. The normal tissue that surrounds the joint becomes hypertrophied, it grows and it invades, it starts destroying the joint. It's an inflammatory process that just keeps going. And the um, things that we do with um, um, all autoimmune diseases is look for reasons that they might be triggered, things that can actually make autoimmune disease worse. So things, we know things that actually start a cytokine storm are things like uh, COVID. And COVID is a cytokine storm. And it's really important, I think, to actually assess cytokines to see if there is any kind of uh, pattern there that we can actually interrupt. Um, there are um, uh, things called bacterial mimicry. The um, bacteria in the gut can sometimes actually look like um, the proteins in the body and result in a um, a triggering of the body to attack its own proteins because they look similar to the bacterial toxins that are showing up. And mold can trigger um, different um, um, actions like that um, because mold causes such irritation to your immune system, it can cause a cytokine storm very much like the um, process that would happen in COVID would happen in um, any of the autoimmune diseases. And so, um, yeah, Ellen, uh, I think you've really tried a lot of things uh, and it sounds like you've seen a, a bunch of different doctors um, and what you sent in the email is quite a complex bunch of information and that would require a functional medicine consultation because there's quite a lot of detail here. Um, I've tried to hit some of the salient points. You're doing a great job with uh, uh, attempting to control this naturally, but um, it would definitely take more information uh, than what you've provided here, considering how much you've provided. Now it's become much more complex. So um, in any event, um, autoimmune diseases are one of the um, uh, bigger issues that we have to deal with. And um, almost all of us are going to experience some sort of reaction. We have our first caller, I believe. But let me just say one more time that this is the Healthy Steps radio show on WMNF 88.5 FM Tampa. And uh, we can actually do some more uh, uh, discussion here if possible. I would love to have people call in 813-239-9663, email us at dj at wmnf.org and text the DJ 813-433-0885. I think Patricia is on the line. Hello, Patricia. Yes. This is Patricia. How, how are you today? I'm fine. How about you? I'm doing quite well. I what would you like question. to know today? I have a question. My daughter has been getting boils uh, since she was 17 years old. And boils? She, yes. And she has been told everything by doctors from don't shave, stop using deodorant. Uh, and she has 
been to the emergency room dozens of times, and I was just wondering, she has tried drinking lots of water to see if she could drown out the toxins from her body. She doesn't eat meat. She's not into fried foods or anything like that. And uh, she normally gets these boils under her arms, in her groin area, and sometimes even in her thighs. Um, and we were just wondering, do you have any suggestion as to what's causing this or what she can do about this, if anything? So these are occurring in her armpits and in her groin? Yes. And um, it's been happening since... Um, she was 17 years old. And yeah. It's been a number of years, okay. So that sounds like a condition called hydradenitis superativa. Um, that means um, pussy sweat glands. And it starts at puberty. Um, and it will persist for many, many years uh, into the 40s. Um, the, she's um, now and she's still having them. <laughs> yeah. So on it goes. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's not just a boil. It's actually a, um, uh, uh, a condition that probably should um, uh, be evaluated by a dermatologist if it has not been. Okay, well, you know, the uh, the doctors have also told her that she could take medication, but that's a, for the rest of her life uh, situation. And she's just wondering. So uh, she has we... seen a dermatologist? No, she just goes to the emergency room herself. Okay, they become... that's, that's not worth it. See, der derma dermatologists are specialists in this kind of condition. Emergency doctors are specialists in giving you a prescription to get you out of their emergency room. And so their idea is here, take an antibiotic forever, and then you won't need to come back to bother me in my emergency room. But um, the dermatologist has other solutions, and a functional medicine doctor would also, because this kind of immune reaction is triggered by other things, and maybe there's a problem with... Um, gluten sensitivity or dairy sensitivity or an additive that's a problem. Um, there could be many issues. And so I think it's worth it to actually see a dermatologist and a functional medicine doctor to see what might be done about this. Okay. We just were wondering um, if there was anything that you could recommend. Uh, what's yes. the cause it? What's triggering this? So you say it's... Yes. Immune. I'm recommending that this get evaluated by a functional medicine doctor and a dermatologist because those are my recommendations. I don't treat things symptomatically, and this has been treated since she was 17, so 25 years of, of treatment isn't effective. It's time to seek another route. Okay, then. So a functional medicine a doctor and, yes. and or a dermatologist. Yes, exactly. I think both could be very useful in this situation. The dermatologist will probably help with some uh, acute care, maybe give you a chronic regimen, and a functional medicine doctor will give you a chronic regimen to help get out of the situation. Okay. And you could actually find a functional doctor at ifm.org, Institute for Functional Medicine.org, um, or stop by Functional Medicine Florida and say hi. Well, she's in California. <laughs> okay. So ifm.org would be good, and, and that would be a perfect place to start. Okay, then. Well, thank you, Dr. Harvey. Appreciate you. You're so welcome.
Now I think we have Nancy online too. Hello, Hi. Nancy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, regarding rheumatoid arthritis, uh, back in the 70s, uh, Prevention Magazine had an article from a doctor in Hawaii who said that 99% of his patients were cured of rheumatoid arthritis by eliminating the nightshade family, specifically tomatoes, peppers, potatoes. I, I still haven't cut out potatoes, but <laughs> tomatoes and peppers bother me. Yes, and actually um, the nightshades do bother a lot of people with uh, rheumatoid disease and other uh, autoimmune disease, but it's not been my experience in my practice that 99% of the people would be actually cured by removing nightshades. Um, oh. It does actually improve the pain uh, profile. And the nightshade vegetables are um, uh, bell peppers, eggplant, tomatoes, and um, you mentioned the other one. Oh, oh, even paprika, I think. Oh. Uh, yeah, well, that's a bell pepper. Yeah, it's in the. It's not. Uh, there, there's a crossover. I don't think that the jalapeno peppers uh, actually are a problem. Um, so um, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I, tomatoes seem to be the worst for me. I, although peppers are now giving me joint pain, but uh, years ago, if I ate tomatoes, the next morning I would have trouble. Uh, my back would be so stiff I could hardly get up. And yes, the Italians discovered that many years ago, so they actually seed and skin their tomatoes to make sauce. Oh, okay. Because the seeds and the skin have the highest lectins, and the lectins are the things that cause the most problems. Ah, uh, okay. And, and when I ate, before I knew I had a problem with tomatoes, when I ate tomatoes in my sandwich and when I was breastfeeding, uh, 24 hours later, my son would be screaming with colic. Wow, I hope he stays away from tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I've told him to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. Have a great day. Happy New Year. And Tom, how are you today? Oh, excellent. Good to talk with you, Doctor. Um, hey, I am uh, trying to decide on... Uh, I'm always looking for a non-caffeine uh, tea to drink in, in, uh, in the mornings uh, when I don't want to... Uh, when I want to take a nap at noon, <laughs> um, and um, I'm I'm looking at um, I've been uh, drinking uh, rooibos, the African uh, redbush uh, uh, leaves, and and uh, and I'm looking at uh, nettles, uh, lemongrass, um, and uh, and I'm looking for recommendations for uh, uh, and also clove. Um, are any of those the nettles, uh, lemongrass, or, or clove? Are there any contraindications of like drinking them on a regular basis? Um, none that I know of. Um, I know clove does have some toxicity if you eat a lot of the ground up clove, but I don't think, um, making a clove tea would be, um, but I've not seen clove show up in many teas actually. Um, uh, uh fenugreek, fennel, um, cardamom, ginger, turmeric, all these other things seem to show up, but not those. <clears throat> but, uh, a ginger tea is a really wonderful thing. I have a, uh, a triple ginger. It's actually really two gingers. I think it's uh, regular ginger, uh, galangal, the Thai ginger, and it's got some turmeric in it. Um, uh, I like uh, dandelion tea. Ticino is a, a roasted nut blend that has um, some, sometimes they put dandelion leaf in it or dandelion root. Um, 
but Ticino, T-E-E-C-H-I-N-O, many different flavors there. And um, I've used that in the past. Um, yeah, I, I think most herbs, if you have a flavor for them, like the holy basil, they have um, <clears throat> different varieties of holy basil, um, uh, some with caffeine, some without. But uh, there are lots of choices out there. And I think the main thing is uh, I've not seen a lot of, uh, on, on doing herbal teas, not a lot of drug nutrient interaction, but um, the uh, uh, I would pick a, 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 an herb that you like the flavor of and stick with it if it uh, feels good. Yeah, I use, I use the clove to actually uh, uh, make the flavor of the rooibos taste better. Um, hey, yeah, I can't I'm, stand rooibos. In conclusion, on, on the ginger, um, did you know you can slice ginger and put it in an espresso maker? I never thought of it, and I don't have an espresso maker, <laughs> but oh, that's well, a good idea. Why not? <laughs> yeah, 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 and and you can do that with cinnamon as well, and they're both uh, very powerful. Uh, you know, it only takes a little Oh, time. yeah, you and steam that out of there. That'd be really potent. Yeah, yep, and it only takes a little bit. Thank you very much, Doc. Thank you, too. Have a great day. Good morning, John. Yes, good morning, good doctor. How are you? Fine, sir. Fantastic. How are you this wonderful year? Sir, I'm I'm blessed. As am I. I you certainly are, sir. That's why I'm calling. I I want to thank you for for all your uh, your infinite knowledge on maintaining health. But, sir, I can tell from the words that you share that you're so inspired. And, friends, sir, I think this year we we will achieve world peace. I, I, I honestly feel it. That is a beautiful, beautiful thought. And I would put that prayer out there for everybody. You are you are a significant part of it, sir, and I want to thank you. Thank you for all that you do. You're so welcome. I I am here to serve. Thank you, sir. You have a blessed day, and I hope that we will meet someday soon. I'm taking a bus to D.C. this Friday to march for peace. And That's beautiful. I hope to see. I hope to see you someday soon, sir, so that I can embrace you. Thank you so much for that, and blessings on your trip to D.C. Carry that peace with you. Well, thank you for that, John. That was really appreciated, and. Um, this is a uh, very pivotal time in our world <clears throat> and um, in, in all aspects and, and healthcare, not alone. We have so much, so much that we need to do. I have an email. <clears throat> Let's see. How do I treat NTM mycobacterium? Well, mycobacterium, that's a good question. Um, mycobacterium is a family of bacteria that make a waxy coating on their surface. They include... Um, tuberculosis and leprosy. I'm not sure what NTM stands for in this situation. Uh, 
Um, but um, uh, mycobacterium is an illness of the human condition. Um, it's not an aggressive infection, though it acts like an infection. It's really actually more of a uh, 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 an opportunistic response to poor nutrition and poor health. People who are healthy do not get mycobacterium infections. People who have immune challenges get mycobacterium infections. People that are alcoholic um, or uh, using drugs or um, nutritionally deprived, starving, um, people with um, other uh, immune uh, challenges like HIV, these are all things that would contribute to getting mycobacterium. Treatment for the mycobacteria is different for each one. So tuberculosis has its group of medications, leprosy has its group of medications, and um, the um, mycobacterium avium intracellulare that causes a chronic, um, irritating pulmonary condition um, is either not treated or gets um, a different antibiotic entirely. Here's an email. Does cinnamon help reduce or break down blood sugar in one's body if person is pre-diabetic and what is pre-diabetic? Well, I don't like to use the word diabetic anyway. That's a label. I've never met a diabetic. Are they green? Are they purple? They have two eyes, four eyes, six eyes, eight arms. I don't know. But I have seen many humans who have sugar intolerance or have sugar metabolism issues. Diabetes is a description of the sugar metabolism issue, but they are not a diabetic. They're a human who have a sugar problem. I hate that word, <laughs> if you haven't noticed before. Um, and I don't hate many things, but that word, that label is just really annoying. Cinnamon is a very good nutrient that helps our body become more insulin sensitive. So therefore we can help reduce the blood sugar because our body listens to the signal of insulin, which says reduce the blood sugar, store the blood sugar. And so yes, cinnamon is really very good. And if someone is in a state of um, uh, onset, you know, in the spectrum of diabetes, they call it a spectrum because it's got a wide range of of um, presentation, you know, from a little bit of <clears throat> sugar elevation after a meal to elevated triglycerides to fully blown elevated sugar and chronic diabetes illness. <clears throat> so pre is someone who has inability to metabolize the sugar effectively, and they res the result is uh, initially elevated insulin because the insulin has to combat the higher sugars. Then the higher insulin starts to fail because the cells are tired of listening to this loud shouting insulin, so it shuts off some of the receptor sites so it doesn't have to listen anymore. And then the sugar starts to go up. When the sugar goes up to cause a change in your blood in a protein-bound sugar called hemoglobin A1C, when that level goes up to 5.7%, then you're considered in the pre-diabetes range. When it goes up to 6.4%, you're considered in the diabetes range of diagnosis. And so it's all a spectrum of sugar tolerance. And we can work on that principally by exercising every day because 30 minutes of modest exercise will reset the insulin sensitivity for the body. Um, eating a intermittent fasting type diet where you eat between say 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. 
and nothing after 6 p.m., you will actually affect that pre-diabetes state very, very effectively. I believe we have a caller, Bob. Hello, Bob. Good morning, Doc. Hello? Hello, how are you today? Um, I'm pretty okay. Um, I got a, had a cardiac event uh, a little while ago, um, back in November, and uh, I'd like to just discuss it with you and, and get you. What did you have? And, uh, I had a bad reaction from a COVID shot, and I had um, AFib with uh, a rapid ventricular response, and then I had a attack of cardio of about 170, 180, and my BP was like, you know, almost 200 over 120 or something like that. Wow. Um, That's quite a response. How long after the shot? About three or four days. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, I, I got excellent care. Um, I won't mention the name of the hospital. This I, I should, I, you know, I, but they, were, they treated me very They I had those four problems. I went to the hospital. And long story short, they turned me around in uh, about 21 hours in cardioverted Good. me. And, 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 Wonderful. And now I'm, and, uh, yeah, and, and now I'm, I'm pretty okay. Uh, I'm back to the gym. I've always taken pretty good care of myself for a 70-some-year-old guy. And uh, I go to the gym. I'm back going to the gym and working out. And things. I'm taking uh, four meds. I'm taking Eliquis, five milligrams, twice a day. I'm taking uh, Matzim, which is dilatazem hydrochloride. I'm taking that uh, 180 milligrams once a day. I'm taking uh, pravastatin uh, 10 milligrams for my cholesterol, and I'm taking 20 milligrams of Sinopril for my uh, BP. Um, and so far, everything's going okay. Um, I I feel different though now. You know, that's part of it. I feel different. yeah, no doubt. You're on four different medicines. Yeah. Um, but, I'm not, but does the course of everything just sound okay to you? Like everything is going the way it should? Or um, can you mention anything? Well, it sounds like other, it I sounds like you had it sounds like you had a, a cytokine storm <laughs> induced by the COVID shot, and um, they treated you uh, appropriately to take care of the AFib. <clears throat> but I doubt that anybody actually evaluated the um, cytokine storm from the COVID shot. Uh, but they did put you on a medication that actually treats. Um, uh, long COVID, and that's pravastatin. It's one of the first meds oh, that uh, know, the Patterson that. group. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the first meds that the Patterson group used to help with uh, calming down the vascular inflammation caused by the spike protein that hangs around in your white blood cells. Because you know the, the nurses in the ER um, uh, told me there's anecdotal uh, evidence going around about other people. I said in my category exactly. They said o- older men with no cardiac history at all who uh, get the COVID shot, and then they have uh, AFib with uh, rapid ventricular response. Well, it's actually beyond anecdotal. This is actually reported. We have literature okay. uh, on well, this already. Yeah. There's so many cardiac events that are occurring because, because the COVID spike protein is a vascular irritant, and the spike protein triggers a cytokine storm. And so we're seeing all kinds of complications, just that the powers that be refuse to actually discuss them rationally. Um, you know, it, it really astounds me. And, and if, if y'all want, email me or, 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 or let the DJ here know that you want to show on the um, recent um, decision by the Surgeon General of Florida to actually come out against further shots. Now, he has a very good... Opinion- 
Um, Doc, do you think I got other other problems down the road I should be watching for or anything? I think you should, yes. I think it would behoove you to actually consider a visit with a functional medicine doctor to get the chronic COVID possibility evaluated because you had some serious complications from that well, shot. I'm seeing, my, I'm seeing my, I'm still seeing my, uh, you know, primary doctor and I'm seeing a cardiologist. I'm going back to the Yeah, but you're not seeing somebody who actually evaluates cytokine storm. Neither of those doctors will do okay. that. Okay, okay. Cytokine. Neither of them will do a COVID long hauler test. Okay, I'll... I'll get that done. Let, you might ask them, though. You could ask if, okay. and see if someone okay. will do it. I've not actually witnessed anybody doing those besides functional medicine doctors. Now, you think... But you I, could I, go to go, go to the website covidlonghauler.com and read about it. You know, I've never had COVID myself. You had a shot, though. Same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Now, see, Bad all news. Along the, see, the first COVID shot that came out, I got, and I had a bit of a reaction from it, you know, but I, you know, got over it. And then I got all yeah. the boosters all along, no problem. And then I got this last one, and it, it was really a, it was a bear, you know. It just, yeah, each one adds to the toxicity. Oh, I didn't know that. But I'm, not, I'm never getting one again. Well, I don't blame you. Yeah, not, with a, not with a death-inducing reaction. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, I appreciate your time, uh, doctor. Um, You're welcome, you know. Bob. Have a great year. And uh, look into that COVID long hauler info. So it looks like Dan is on the line. Good morning, Dan. Hey, good morning, Doc. Hey, um, I wanted to ask your opinion on two uh, medical issues that I'm having. Number one, I had a, 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 an elevated prostate, a PSA of uh, 5.7, and uh, but with no symptoms, no uh, uh, slightly enlarged prostate, but uh, no symptoms and no urinary issues and whatnot. And the second one is I have a little kidney stone uh, issue uh, um, a little mass that's in there that I was worried about uh, with the kidney stones, and I'm wondering about uh, like teas or, or herbal recipes that could help dissolve kidney stones. Um, yeah, there are some things out there. Uh, one of the best things to do is to make sure you're getting adequate water. Um, another thing to do is a, uh, litho link, L I T H O L I N K or stone risk urine test, which would tell you what the makeup of your urine is, which will give us a handle on what to do with your diet to help you stay away from it. Okay. Um, the, uh, some of the things we know that actually contribute to kidney stones are things that help to create oxalates uh, or carry oxalates. So uh, spinach, um, black tea, um, soy products, white potatoes all contain oxalates and, and beet greens and um, um, chard. Many of these things contain oxalates. And so you actually will end up creating possibly more stones. On the other hand, though, a PSA of 5.7 is a potential for cancer. So uh, the way I evaluate a PSA that's elevated is to order a PSA with a free PSA. Okay. And the free PSA can determine the likelihood that this might be cancer. There's some other tests to do also, but an MRI focused on the prostate can tell you if you have a mass there. If you have a mass there, then it might be worth considering uh, doing something more about it. Yeah, that's, I mean, before I went to a biopsy, I want to make sure I have all the, the labs and, you know, the yeah. fractionation and whatnot and that. Um, uh, have, have you ever heard of drinking uh, 
a tea made out of uh, uh, bay leaf or laurel uh, to help uh, uh, oxalate and, and dissolve kidney stones? Um, the um, I've not heard of either of those being effective for that. Um, and so I think it's best to find out why you have a kidney stone. What is this? What is going on there? I, I, I'm well, a guy that likes information. I think I think I got dehydrated when I had the, uh, my first the first episode. I haven't had an episode. I've been drinking a lot more water and haven't had a problem over, since about a you know about a year ago when I had the first when I had the first uh, issue with the stones. And I, I know good. I was dehydrated that day. Yes, that's good. All right. Well, I think thank you for just stay hydrated. Yes. Well, thank you for the information. You're welcome. Have a good day and a great year. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, uh, just to remind people, this is the Healthy Steps Radio Show on WMNF Tampa, eighty-eight point five FM, and um, we are having an interactive show. Would love to talk with some more people. This has been great so far today. Um, please give us a call at 813-239-9663. Email DJ at WMNF.org or uh, text the DJ 813-433-0885. So um, let's see my current email. Um, Hello, health doc. When large groups of people are not eating enough food, not drinking clean water, not able to take suggested 20-minute walks, or in constant fear of death at any moment, what overall short- and long-term effects, physical and mental, can we expect for people like those in the Gaza Strip? Well, we know that war is devastating to every body. When I say that, I mean your spiritual body. Yes, your mental body, your emotional body, and your physical body. These bodies all get damaged by this kind of attack. And the difficulty with maintaining relationships in a war situation is just that. I just heard on um, uh, the previous show, Democracy Now!, where a journalist who's worked for Al Jazeera for many years has had his basically his entire family killed by the genocide. And it is a sad situation where anybody has to put up with war. The same thing is happening in eastern Ukraine. When fascist aggressors uh, go into territories that aren't theirs and kill people, it causes problems for everybody. Um, peace starts within. And if each of us works on our own peace, we might be able to actually spread more peace to the world. But as we um, name call and attack people who are trying to actually have rational discourse about these issues, uh, war, peace, poverty, nutrition, toxicity, um, um, experimental medical products like the so-called vaccines that are actually still not approved drugs. They are still on emergency use authorization. They are still genetic experiments. They have not changed since the onset of the pandemic. People believe what they want to about it because they happen to exist in silos and read only the opinion pieces that come out of the silos. 
I tend to go for a deeper, more significant source. I tend to go for the actual real um, um, article that was published regarding it. As when I found out that hydroxychloroquine actually works because I read the article, the scientific article from Iran that probably President Trump was shown in 2020 that showed that it actually reduced mortality. And then I read the actual article and saw the statistics on how effective ivermectin is. They say it's not effective, but there's a 70% reduction in mortality if you take it early in the course of the illness. That's with 91% confidence that it's a real number and not random. And so it's really interesting that we are unable to discuss things um, in a logical fashion. Dr. Latipo, the Surgeon General of Florida, has very controversial opinions. However, his opinions are based in science. And there's a problem where we actually have people that review the science. Many academicians have reviewed the science, many. And if you read their academic papers on the science, you can see that there is a secondary narrative that's questioning the public commercial narrative about all this stuff. I mean, think about it. For years, um, doctors actually recommended that we actually have, um, it was the 1930s and 40s, they were saying smoke cigarettes for asthma. That was purely propaganda. And now they're saying take experimental shots. It's a question. It's a serious question. And think about it. The FDA approved a drug in 2021 that doesn't work. They approved an Alzheimer's drug that kills people and doesn't work, but they approved it because they thought somebody might want to buy it. And so we really have a lot of things going on that are, you know, just make me question. I, I never questioned the FDA prior to the pandemic, but now I see the actual science that actually refutes a bunch of what they talk about. It starts to be frustrating. And it, it's it's a bit scary for me because I thought I had a foundation, a, 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 a place where I could turn for consistently valuable information. We have a caller on the line. Michael, how are you today? Hello? Michael, how are you? Hi, how are you doing, Doctor? Excellent. Okay, I have, I have a question for you. Um, for the last two weeks now, it's my first time experiencing this, but yes. I, have, I have gout. And I was wondering, I know I've been reading up on it, and it has to do with uh, the uric acid level in you. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, what could I do to keep the uric acid level down and also to have this never happen again? Because it's very painful. Well, I uh, bet you've read a bit about what foods cause um, elevated uric acid. Yes, here and there. Uh, they said red meats. They said certain types of seafood. Um, alcohol was also on there. Yeah, so the seafood and red meats contain purines. Um, and, and purines are a type of uh, uh, acid, an organic acid that DNA is made out of. And... These purines are um, what metabolize into uric acid in the body, and your liver does this. Alcohol disrupts the process. Alcohol has you make more uric acid. 
another sneaky, sneaky substance that has you make more uric acid is called fructose, fruit sugar. Okay. My friend, Dr. David Perlmutter, wrote a book. Um, he's a, a 60s child, and he loved the concept drop acid. <laughs> uh, but he meant drop your uric acid. It's a great book. Check it out. It talks about the fructose secret and many other things that will help you keep your uric acid low because uric acid doesn't just cause joint pain. It damages your kidneys and it causes vascular inflammation that will result in some really serious difficulties, including increased risk for heart attack and stroke. Okay. So yeah, there's a lot you can do. And um, I would talk to the... Uh, primary care doctor, I would look at possibly intervention, like potentially getting a medication that would help lower it. But I think you can do it naturally. And you want to drink lots of water. Staying hydrated is a really good thing to keep gout uh, on the out. But uh, avoid um, um, soy and um, um, uh, duck fat and other high fat things. Uh, French fries are not good to eat if you have gout. Okay. All right, well, thank you very much for your help, Doctor. I appreciate it. You have a happy new year. You, you too. Have a great year and get over that gout. <clears throat> so here's an email from Sandra. I really enjoyed the show last week. It was very insightful and made me look into Qigong. I'm so glad you did. Um, she's thinking very much about moving the energy in her body. You know, that's really what this is about. And um, the previous email that I read about questioning what people can do in Gaza, well, the first relationship, the most important relationship is with yourself. And when you're in a time of stress like, like war, it would be a really good thing to actually go inside yourself and pray and pray and dwell in the presence of that higher self, the, 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 the spirit within, because in that silence, you can find the peace the rest. It's very difficult when you're living in a war zone, I'm sure. I've never been in one, but I've been in very high stress situations and it's difficult to get your mind clear into that spot. But if you meditate on a daily basis, if you do breath work on a daily basis, you will be able to feel your bodies. When you feel yourself, you can actually make the next step to actually release some of that feeling. So you can get to a place where your body and mind are relaxed, where you're moving into a place of comfort rather than into a place of stress. I have another email here. Uh, what is a good amount of ashwagandha to take daily? And also, can I stop taking metoprolol for high blood pressure if I take this? Okay, there's an interesting um, question from Robin. You don't See, when I first started learning about herbal and other interventions, I was approaching it from the Western medicine standpoint. And so I was doing a lot of, uh, well, what's called integrative medicine. And that would mean that I would integrate these things instead of other things. <laughs> so I would bring in an herb instead of a pill, a, a pharmaceutical. Um, and and it's not, it doesn't really work that way. Ashwagandha does help you to relieve stress. If your blood pressure is from stress, it may work. But if it's not, it may not work. And so you don't do interchanging pills like that. That's not what functional medicine is about. That's what integrative medicine is about. Um, really, the key is to find out why you have the high blood pressure. Um, 
a 54-year-old male in good health may actually have vascular issues or other things that are producing this. It could be lead toxicity or mercury toxicity. And um, so another uh, question is um, um, from Pete, and he actually liked the uh, explanation I had for the cinnamon, and he's, he has uh, given me some information. Um, a study found that taking 250 milligrams of cinnamon twice a day for two months improved insulin sensitivity. Yes, it really does. And it may help lower blood sugar by mimicking effects of insulin or by producing better effects for the insulin. And so it's actually reasonable. Uh, it's not a big dose of cinnamon. You want to get the kind that's been cleaned of the, uh, I think it's called cinnamaldehyde, which can actually irritate the liver. Um, let's see. Here's another one. My blood pressure is really high, 165 over 110. The doctor increased medications and it wasn't working in the first two days. Well, it may take a little bit longer to actually have the effect of new medications come on board. However, um, has the doctor evaluated why you have high blood pressure? See, I don't believe in the term that medicine has used for a century, essential hypertension. There's nothing essential about hypertension. Babies are not born with hypertension. And so I'd rather find out why you have the hypertension than anything else. If you all want me to do a show more focused on uh, DNA contamination of the um, uh, uh, mRNA shots or any other kind of uh, associated uh, issue with the um, um, shots, I'd be glad to. I'd be glad to actually look for some experts, too. Um, I want to do some more interviews. If you have any suggestions for people that you would like to hear on the show, I'll see if I can reach out and get them on the show because I want to keep really good conversation going. And I want to remind you all that um, uh, next week again will be a Ask Me Anything day. And I want to thank uh, DJ Spaceship for taking care of the uh, production this morning and i believe irene if she's there uh handling all the phone calls um i want to thank all the rest of the staff at wmnf it's been a wonderful uh year and let's make this one even better thanks lots see you next week 88.5 tampa